Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. And in this series, in this lesson today, we're going to discuss in the volume of the book, Portraits of Yeshua in the Old Testament in the Torah, we're going to discuss Jesus being shown to us as the Pesach or the Passover lamb. I'm not certain if I'm pronouncing that correct. I believe it's Pesach, but it is the Passover lamb. After discovering that the God of Israel, the great I am from the burning bush, who called Moses to ministry, is the same as the wonder worker who plagued Egypt with nine plagues so far and promised a tenth one greater than the others in intensity and fervor, we now come to realize the power of the tenth in more ways than one. We're going to begin the reading in Exodus chapter 11, and we'll begin in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people, and let every man ask from his neighbor, and every woman from her neighbor, articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. After that I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Then we move on to chapter 12 of Exodus, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. 
and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night. Roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which every one must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service that you shall say? It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And that's through verse 28. Now, here we see the announcement by God of the tenth plague. It will be the most severe of all. It will affect every Egyptian household 
and every person from the greatest, the house of Pharaoh, all the way down to what they may have considered the least, the woman behind the handmill. Remember, Exodus 4, verse 22 through 23, Pharaoh had been warned much earlier. God had said in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 and 23, that Israel is his son. And if Pharaoh does not release his son, Israel, then God will take Pharaoh's son and kill him. The angel of death was going to be coming through the land at midnight. This was a messenger of God's wrath and vengeance on Pharaoh. Psalm 136 verse 10 says this, To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, speaking of God, for his mercy endures forever. God was the one who struck Egypt in their firstborn. God said he was going to pass through this death angel about midnight, and every firstborn would die with no exceptions, except among the Hebrews. Not one of them would die there. God makes the distinction covering his people from his wrath. And in coming days, when his wrath will be poured out again upon the earth, as the book of Revelation and other prophecies tell us, God will do it again. He covers his people from his wrath. Those who have applied his blood to the doorposts of their life. And we'll talk about that more in a, mem- in a moment. Pharaoh will drive them out. Pharaoh's going to beg them to leave after God is finished with him. The wonders must be multiplied. They have to be filled up, increased to the very full of what God had ordained. And notice that in this passage we read, God is judging all of the gods of Egypt because God alone is God. And he alone is the Lord over all, over heaven and earth. And there is none beside him. There is none to share his glory. He is alone. He is God most high. In chapter 12, we see the way of escape provided for God's people. They are provided a way of escape, the salvation and provision, their deliverance. God tells them that this month, Abib, or Nisan, is the beginning of their year to them. The true Rosh Hashanah, so to speak, is here. Now, the Jews have different calendars. They have a civil calendar. They have a religious calendar. They have other calendars. The religious calendar is here beginning with Passover in terms of all the feasts and the special ceremonial rites and religious observances that they will they will honor. But according to the Word of God, it is apparent that this was God's intent that this be the beginning of their year period. However, since then, through various historical things and centuries of time and so forth, the Jews have instituted a, a different civil calendar, which generally begins in the fall feast with what they consider to be Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. But God had set it up that Nisan, the first of Nisan, would be the new day, the new life from this point onward for them because of what it signified. It does represent the new day and their new life. Even for us, salvation is represented here through the spring feasts and what they celebrate for us, Passover, unleavened bread. And later we learn of the third feast, which is first fruits. Even for us, salvation here is represented, and salvation is only the beginning. 
of a brand new life that we learn about in the New Testament. The first day of the month was very important for them to identify. They had to have witnesses that could prove the first very light sliver of the moon that was seen to be able to accurately pinpoint the day. So in this first day of this first month, according to God, there would be the institution in this month of the first feast of Israel. Later, it was designated with many others, and we find the summary of those to be given to us in Leviticus chapter 23. These feasts, we call them the Jewish feasts or the feast of Israel. They literally are the feasts of the Lord, according to the word of God, and the whole of them show the pattern of God's plan of redemption in the earth from beginning to end. I've covered the Feast of the Lord in other series in the archives that you're certainly welcome to look up if you if you would appreciate that and are interested. But God lays out here the plan for Passover and unleavened bread. And later we learn of the first fruits feast also that's a part of that same time period. From the 10th to the 14th of Nisan, the Passover feast is instituted here. It's the Feast of the Lord. It's called the Lord's Passover. And I want us to get into the instructions here for this. On the 10th of Nisan, every person, every family, every man and household had to choose the lamb for themselves. This same thing was also done later for the nation in this feast observance. The qualifications for this lamb, this Passover, this Pesach, was that it had to be a lamb or a goat of the herd, no spot, no blemish. It had to be a male of the first year, meaning young. Actually, according to the Hebrew word that's used here, it suggests that this means that it's the one and only son, the firstborn son, the first begotten son. Now, we know that Jesus will be the fulfillment of this Passover lamb. And so even think about this, John three sixteen. He is called the only begotten son, meeting this requirement of the Passover lamb as well. Each family had to keep this Passover lamb from the 10th of Nisan until the 14th. They had to watch it. They had to hedge it about and preserve it till it became and entered its full purpose on the 14th of Nisan. It became like a pet lamb to them over those five days. And then on the 14th day of Nisan, the day of Passover, the day when the Passover lamb must be killed. Everyone in Israel was to kill their lamb at twilight, and the lamb for the nation would be killed at twilight. When the scriptures speak of twilight, it's referencing approximately 3 p.m. It means between the lights, between sunlight and moon. It's approximately 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Now think about this in the Gospels. Jesus died at 3 p.m., and he died on the day when the Passover lamb must be killed, according to the authors of the Gospels. The people had to kill it. They had to take the blood and paint it with hyssop on their two doorposts of their house and on the lintel, on the door of the house where they lived. They would then eat the meat of the Passover lamb. It had to be roasted in fire 
and they would eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It had to be cooked. It could not be eaten raw, could not be boiled in water. It was roasted in fire only, all of its fleshly parts. And it could not remain until morning. It had to be eaten. Individuals were to eat it with the belt on their waist, sandals on their feet, and a staff in their hand. In other words, they had to eat it in haste, ready for action, ready to move, ready to leave. It was a quick meal, eaten in haste on this night. Notice it is called the Lord's Passover. It's not just the Jews, it's the Lord's. And then why was this instituted? Because there was an angel of death that would pass through the land, and the only way of escape was the blood of the Lamb. The only way of escape from death was the blood of this Passover lamb. Notice this is the finality of God's execution of judgments on all of Egypt's gods. Each one of the plagues tied to their pagan worship in Egypt. And this was the showdown, so to speak, of the one who is the true God. Reminded me of Elijah later to come on Mount Carmel. In verse 13, we learn about the importance of the blood of this Passover lamb. The blood was the sign on their homes. It was like a banner or flag or an emblem. It was the distinguishing mark, and it distinguished those who were of God and those who were not. It distinguished between those of God and those that were pagan and were not of the Lord. It was a miraculous sign that God would see. Through the blood, he would bring them freedom. He would bring them life. He would not destroy them. It became a memorial feast, Passover on the 14th of Nisan, and then right after that, seven days of unleavened bread, beginning on the 15th of Nisan through the 21st. In Leviticus 23, we learn about all the feasts of the Lord, including the Feast of first fruits that was done on the third day. This was the third feast of the Lord within that same window of time for Passover and unleavened bread. There was no leaven allowed. Leaven in scripture represents sin. And so there was a cleansing of the home, a cleansing from leaven. On the first and seventh day, both of these were considered high Sabbaths. It's the same in the gospel with Jesus' death. The high Sabbath began at the evening on crucifixion day, and that's why they had to get him down and observe their high Sabbath, and we're told that in the Gospels. This protection is provided by the Lamb's blood. No destroyer would be allowed in that life or in that house. Praise be to God. Jesus is our Passover Lamb, our Pesach. Let's look at how that's true and how he fits all of the pattern here. Detail by detail. Male, the Passover lamb had to be male. Jesus was the son given, according to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He was also the same as the substitute ram of Genesis 22, which was also male who substituted and was killed as the substitute. The Passover lamb had to be in the first year or the only begotten son 
We've already seen how John 3.16 is one place that shows us that. There had to be no blemish on the Passover lamb. He was the sinless one. We see a reference to that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 15, how he was sinless. He had no blemish. The Passover lamb had to be chosen on the 10th of Nisan and kept until the 14th of the Nisan. And during that five-day window, he would be examined. That Passover lamb would be examined to ins- and inspected to ensure that there was no blemish on him and he could be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. Notice in the Gospels, the triumphal entry, we call it, happened on the 10th of Nisan. We know that to be true because of what days, the number of days that the Gospels tell us about in terms of reference to Passover day. And so the triumphal entry where Jesus is presented by God the Father as the Passover lamb to all of Israel and for the nation, he was chosen on the 10th. He was chosen by God as the lamb. He was recognized as the Lamb of God by John the Baptist, according to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 and 36, by John the Apostle in Revelation, chapter 5, verse 5, by Paul in 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, where Paul describes him as the Passover Lamb sacrificed for us, and by Peter in 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. So we have four witnesses to the fact that Jesus is the Passover lamb of God. This lamb would be kept from the 10th through the 14th. Jesus' final week, we read in the Gospels where he was challenged and inspected by the Jewish leaders, by the people, by the Sanhedrin and the high priest, by Pilate, by Herod, even by his own disciples. So we see this being found in the Gospel, particularly covered in Matthew 21 through 25 and John 12 through 18, for instance. Then on the 14th of Nisan, the Passover lamb would be killed. As a matter of fact, on that date, the lamb had to be killed. It must be killed, according to Luke chapter 22, verse 7, and Mark chapter 14, verse 12. This lamb was killed at twilight at 3 p.m. Jesus also, the Gospels tell us, died at 3 p.m. when he spoke his last. He said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died at 3 p.m. The night of Passover, the Passover Eve, there would be a Seder, a special meal. Jesus held this final meal with his disciples. The Passover Seder, it's proven in scripture. We see in scripture how It goes through the entire Passover ceremony, and we see the cups. There were four cups in Passover. We read about those as well in the Gospels. There were questions that would be asked. It was a whole ceremony, and this is proven in Scripture that Jesus held this. We typically call it in the Christian church the Last Supper, but it was his final Passover Seder. There were four cups that were a part of the Passover Seder. These are built upon the four I will statements that are drawn from Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And in those four cups, it represented the first cup being the cup of sanctification or consecration. 
and I believe that represented the crown of thorns that Jesus would wear. The second cup was the cup of plagues, or wrath, or I call it crushing, and that represents the crushing, the torture, scourgings, and beatings that Jesus would endure. Even the place of crushing was Gethsemane, where he went to pray, and it is the place of the olive press, and his soul was pressed in great anguish even there. The third cup was the cup of redemption, representing the cross or the crucifixion, because that is what brought to us redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and other places. And then the fourth cup, is the cup of consummation or the wedding cup, the covenant cup. This represents the covenant and the consummation and wedding with our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the bride of Christ, which will come in due season at the Lord's return and at the perfect time in the future. We are awaiting that at this time. Remember, it's the fourth cup that Jesus said, I will reserve this and I will not drink this cup until the day when I drink it with you in the kingdom. Jesus ceremonially at the Seder drank three of those cups, reserving the fourth. It was the third cup, the new covenant in my blood, that he held up, the cup after supper, Paul tells us. And that represented the new covenant in his blood. That's the redemption cup. And showing that it was his blood alone, that gives us redemption. He reserved the fourth until the wedding that will come in the kingdom. We see the proof of these several cups in Luke chapter 22, verse 17 through 20, for instance. We see how he drank the three, and the matzah was his body. That matzah, that unleavened bread, represented his body, and the third cup represented his blood, the blood of the new covenant from Jeremiah chapter 31, also repeated and, and explained for us in Hebrews chapter 8. I want to talk about the matzah for just a moment, this unleavened bread. When you look at a piece of matzah, you'll notice it's striped, it's crushed and broken, and it is unleavened. There is no yeast to it. There's nothing of puffiness. There's no pride. It's pure humility even shown in the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus showed that, the humility that he had to even do such an act with them as a servant, as if he were their servant. He did it as an example. It's interesting, and I remember several years ago when I was studying again and rereading about this time, the night of his betrayal, the time of the Passover Seder and his trip to Gethsemane and then to the cross and so on. And if the Lord wills, I hope to do a new series concerning that, if I'm able. And so we'll trust the Lord in regard to that in the upcoming weeks and months. I remember reading and studying on these three prayers that Jesus offered in Gethsemane. And I'll never forget, I was kind of questioning, I was like, Lord, why did Jesus pray the same prayer three times? Because when you read in the Gospels, you'll find out it appears that Jesus uttered the same words three different times, the only words that were given, at least, in the Scriptures. But he prayed each one of those prayers for about an hour, so he spent time with the Lord, with the Father, in great anguish during those three hours. And he prayed these three prayers. And 
the Lord seemed to answer me with an, with another question. A lot of times he'll do that when I ask him a question about something. He'll come back and he'll ask me a question, not because he doesn't know the answer, but because he's trying to remind me or show me something, understanding that I had not seen before. And when I did that, I remember the Lord saying, what had he just done? And because I had learned about the Passover Seder, I understood what he had just done. He had just held the Passover Seder with them. And in that Seder, he had just drunk three cups, three cups, the three cups that he drunk and the one that he reserved. And so I began to see the connection, the three prayers tied to those three cups. Now he was going to have to drink them in reality. At the Passover Seder with his disciples, he had drunk them symbolically, but now he would be drinking them and all that they represented in reality. He would have to go through with what they represented, the crown of thorns, the crushing, and the cross. So I believe it was one cup per prayer. In other words, he was praying for God to give him the strength and for the Lord's will to be done to allow him to go through this that he had to drink. He even mentioned to one of his disciples, he says, are you really able to drink the cup that I'm going to have to drink? So he knew, he knew that even though he drank these at the Passover Seder symbolically, he was about to drink the real thing. He was about to endure the crown of thorns. He was about to endure the cross and he was about to endure the crushing, the torture, the beatings that he would have to go through. As the Passover lamb, he could have no broken bones either. And so we see that also happening for the Lord at the cross. He had no broken bones. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 20, it says this. The author here is speaking prophetically of Messiah. And he says, he guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. I wonder why because Jesus fulfilled the Passover lamb and not one of the Passover lamb's bones could be broken. In Exodus chapter 12, I believe it's in verse 46 or somewhere along in there, if we had continued to read, we would have read that where there could be no broken bones on the Passover lamb. We find in John chapter 19, verse 31 through 37, where there were no broken bones on Jesus. They were going to break their bones because they needed to get them down off the cross and they needed to speed up their death. And the way to do that was to break the bones so that they could not push themselves up to breathe any longer and they would asphyxiate there on the cross. But in Psalm 34 verse 20, the prophecy had already been stated. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. And in the Passover lamb pattern, there could be no broken bones on the lamb. So Jesus was already dead and he had no broken bones. He was already dead when they came to break the bones. We see in the Passover lamb hyssop used to apply the Passover lamb's blood on the doorposts and on the lintel of the house. It's interesting that hyssop was also a part of the cross because hyssop was lifted up to Jesus on the cross as a sedative or an anesthesia, and he refused it. 
The Passover lamb's flesh had to be eaten that same night. They had to eat it. In John chapter 6, I want to read that because this became a bit of a stumbling block and, and a quandary for some there in Jesus' day when Jesus made these statements. But in John chapter 6, I want to read verse 48 through 51. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Jesus here is identifying that he's going to give bread, which is his flesh that must be eaten. In Mark chapter 14, I want to read verse 22 through 25. Mark chapter 14, verse 22 through 25. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So here we have Jesus instituting what we call communion. Some call it holy communion, where we eat a piece of bread, unleavened bread or whatever, representing the fact that he gave his body for us and we drink the cup of juice or wine representing his blood. It's not really his blood. It's not really his body, but it represents the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. This is recorded for us also in Matthew chapter 26. Notice here that it is shed for many, not all. Yes, it's shed for all, but not all will believe. It's all who will believe and receive him that will receive the benefit of it. Do you see back in the instructions for the Passover lamb? Every household had to apply the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorpost in order to receive the benefit of the sparing of their lives and the sparing of the firstborn in that household. Every person had to make their own individual choice to obey the Lord and believe his word and then do what he said to do. The meal included the lamb's flesh. The unleavened bread is significant in regard to that. The unleavened bread they had to eat even in Exodus. It was made with haste. They had to have bitter herbs and sorrow and weeping. This is associated with Jesus' final Passover as well, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. The body, the flesh of the Passover lamb could not last until morning. It had to be eaten that night. Jesus' body had to be removed from the cross that same day before the high Sabbath of unleavened bread began. The Passover lamb's blood had to be applied by each person, each family. They had to apply it themselves for it to benefit them. It had to be their individual choice. And it's the same with Jesus. We must believe in him and receive him, asking him to forgive us of our sins and applying his blood on the doorposts of our heart. It's the same with him. 
The blood on the doorpost was the sign. And Jesus dying on the cross with the shedding of his blood becomes the sign that saves us. Nisan represented the first month, the first of the year to them. Why? Because it was new life. It was the time that they were going to be free. It was a brand new life for them. It was a brand new experience for them. And it is the same for us with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man or any person be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise be to God. Communion is our Passover celebration. It is what we do to remember the death and body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember him dying as our Passover lamb. His death on the cross so that we could have life eternal. So that we could be saved from death and brought to life, eternal life. And it happened through his body, his blood shed for us, for our forgiveness of our sins. I encourage you to read more about that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5 through 10, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 through 14, and in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. And as we close, I want us to close out by thinking on this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 through 9 says this, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That was through verse 8, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 and 8. Christ is our Passover. There is no question about this. So we celebrate him, and every time we do communion, we remember him. And I just leave you with this final verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. And I encourage you, when you partake of communion next, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, a disciple of his, remember these verses and give him thanks for the sacrifice as the Passover lamb on your behalf, so that you now have been transferred from death to life, and you have been granted eternal life through his blood, through his sacrifice on your behalf. If you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've not applied the blood of the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, to your heart and to your life, to the doorposts of your home. I encourage you to do that right now. I encourage you to pray and seek Him. Ask Him to forgive you. You can pray and talk to Him in your own way. But repent of your sins. Ask Him to forgive you and receive Him today and His blood on your behalf. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Hallelujah. So when we take communion, we remember and appreciate and honor the Lord for his death for us, for the breaking of his body as the bread of life and for the cup of redemption that he took and paid our redemption so that we could live as our Passover lamb. Praise be to God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes in this series and for more teachings that are brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries as the Lord allows. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.